Hi, and welcome to episode three of the Hormonal Mama podcast. I'm your host, Kara Drescher. Uh, Today, I am excited to tell you about my postpartum journey. If you listened to my previous episode or my episode before that, you heard about my infertility journey and my pregnancy journey. So today, we're going to dive right in to my postpartum journey and hear all the fun and craziness that was involved with that. So my postpartum journey began unexpectedly um, at 32 weeks and four days. I was admitted to the hospital at 32 weeks and one day um, because on an ultrasound, a scheduled ultrasound, it was discovered that one of my babies wasn't growing. She, well, we didn't know that it was a she at the time, but she was very, very small and there was an issue with her umbilical cord, so she wasn't gaining weight at a safe rate. Um, So I needed to be monitored regularly throughout the day. So I was admitted to the hospital um, and it was very, very stressful. The few days leading up to the birth were very difficult. That first night I had to be there by myself. Um, My husband was unable to stay overnight. Um, I was up all night. I think I watched, I don't even know how many shows on the computer because I just could not sleep. I was so anxious. One of the residents had come in, um, done an ultrasound, and then told me that I was likely going to be giving birth on Friday. And this was Tuesday. So that kind of came as a shock. I wasn't sure how to deal with that. I was just filled with anxiety. Luckily, the next few days, my husband was able to be with me. My mom came by a lot. Um, My in-laws came by a lot. It was better, but it was tough. I had to be monitored all the time. Every time that I thought I wasn't going to be monitored anymore, sure enough, there was some issue. Somebody's heart rate was dropping, so they had to hook me up to the monitor um, for extended periods of time. Initially they'd say something like, okay, we're going to monitor you for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. And then that 30 minutes would stretch on to six hours or seven hours. And that's really tough. If you've ever been hooked up to a baby monitor, it's not comfortable. And you know, it's tough because even if you're not quite sure what you're hearing or seeing with the monitor, it's very uncomfortable. And then on top of that, I was dealing with preeclampsia, which meant that my blood pressure was very high. And so they had to monitor my blood pressure and they had to check on that every so often. And sometimes it was every couple of hours, sometimes it was every 15 minutes. And It was a very stressful few days and I didn't, I really did not know at that point, am I going to give birth on Friday? Am I going to be here another few weeks? All they had told me at the ultrasound was that they were keeping me at the hospital until I gave birth and that it wouldn't be past, I think 35 weeks was what they told me. It might've been 36 weeks. It's hard to remember. 
but I wasn't expecting to give birth at 32 weeks. So that was a, a major, major shock to my system. And those last few days of my pregnancy were just so difficult to get through. They're difficult anyway, at any point in your pregnancy, whether you know that you're going to be giving birth in a few days or not, whether you're in the premature range or full term, you know you're giving birth at some point. The tough thing when you're you know, at a period where it's premature birth is that you don't really have the time to prepare yourself to say, okay, I'm gonna be giving birth at some point. It's more, all of a sudden, hey, you're giving birth way sooner than you expected. Now, in my case, 32 weeks is early, but there are many women who give birth much, much earlier than that. Um, so, you know, I, my experience isn't with, you know, micro prematurity um, or what they call micro preemies, which I believe are babies born prior to 27 weeks um, gestation. So again, my experience was a little bit later in the prematurity range, um, but regardless, it's scary and it's very stressful. And so for me, that was the beginning of my postpartum journey. The day that my babies were born, was crazy. I had been up all night because again, they had come in in the middle of the night to monitor the baby's heart rates and said, okay, it'll be about 30 minutes. Again, that 30 minutes turned into six hours and that six hours ended up being, I think almost eight hours of monitoring. So here I am laying in a hospital bed my husband's trying to sleep on the couch next to me and I've got, you know, these, these big uncomfortable monitor things wrapped around my big belly, pressing really hard so that they can, you know, really capture the baby's heart rates and movements because I had two babies in there. I had three straps around my belly, one monitoring contractions one monitoring baby A's heart rate and one monitoring baby B's heart rate. And it's terribly uncomfortable. No one tells you that. I was not prepared for just how uncomfortable that would be or, again, how long I'd be laying there. Um, but my doctor came in around 8 a.m., my OB, and she, I hadn't seen her in a few days. Uh, she had been on call, I think it was the night that I was admitted, and then the partners in her practice were on call for the next few days. So I had been seeing them and they were excellent. So my doctor comes in 8 a.m. and she says, okay, it's time to get these babies out. And well, let's just say that's a shock. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. So I had to call my mom and say, hey, I'm about to give birth, so you better get over here. And my in-laws, and I texted all my friends and say, I'm about to have babies. And it was an unplanned C-section. And, you know, the very difficult thing for me was I didn't want a C-section. Now, I'm not against C-sections. Sometimes it's the right choice, and for some women, that's what they prefer, and that's fine. I think it's really important for every woman to have their own 
preference and their own birth the way they want. And not every woman wants a vaginal birth, and that's fine. In my case, I did. I wanted a vaginal birth. I did not want a C-section. However, for the safety of my children, I needed to have a C-section. My, my baby A was the baby who was going to be coming out first because she was lower down in my in my pelvic region and because she was so much smaller than her brother um for safety reasons i couldn't push her out because there would have run the risk that her brother would have gotten stuck so c-section it was and i didn't really prepare myself for what that would be like because, and, th- and that's really my own fault. I went through my whole pregnancy anticipating, okay, there's the chance that I'll have a C-section, but it's unlikely, so I'm not gonna prepare for that. And I think that was a big mistake. I think I should have prepared myself for the possibility that I was going to have a C-section and then maybe my recovery wouldn't have been so awful, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, but you know, they, they brought me back and they said, okay, this is what we're going to do. And I had heard a few friends give me some examples of their C-sections, but it's, it's one of those things, even if you prepare, you can't really prepare. I mean, I think anything in life is like that. You can get other people's experience. They can walk you through it step by step, but you can't really prepare yourself for something until you go through it. So here I am, not sure what to expect. They give me, you know, the, the, um, the spinal injection to make me numb and they lay me down. I wasn't prepared for the fact that I was going to be very, very nauseous. They were going to be adjusting my blood pressure. They were going to strap my arms down. I didn't expect that even though I think I had spoken to three or four people who had had C-sections and they told me that and I thought, well, that's not going to happen for me. Of course it did. I don't know why I was in denial about that. But as they started, then all of a sudden they bring my husband in and he's in there and, you know, I've got the big sheet up in front of my face so I can't see anything and I don't know what's going on. I can't really feel anything except very strange sensations of tugging and pulling. It wasn't painful, but it was weird. How do you even describe the sensation of being numb, but feeling pulling and tugging? I I can't describe that. It's very weird. Um, Anyway, so all of a sudden, they pull out the first baby. My husband looks over and says, is that a girl? And they say it is. And he says, it's a girl. And all of a sudden I heard the baby crying and I was like, oh my God, there's a baby in the room. There was not a baby in here a minute ago. How did that happen? And that's weird. (laughs) It's a really strange thing that I did not anticipate. And then a minute later, they pulled the other baby out And my husband said, it's a boy. And I was in shock. I had spent my entire pregnancy. Not, I don't want to say I knew because like, I didn't really know, but I had a feeling that it was a boy and a girl. And I had a feeling that baby A, who was on my left and who was lower down was a girl and baby B, who was on my right and a little higher up, had a feeling 
that that was a boy. And I was right. I was completely right. And it was so strange to me. And it still is 15 months later. So strange to me that I was right about that. the babies were born they brought them over to me I didn't get to hold them because remember they were premature we knew they were going to be going up to the NICU but they brought them over to me so that I could see them Um, I don't remember the details very well but I remember kissing my daughter and I think I touched my son briefly and then they whisked them away and took them up to the NICU and that was very, very difficult knowing I wasn't going to get to touch them or do skin to skin with them immediately. I really wanted to, but I couldn't. So after they got me stitched up and, you know, they wheeled me back into, I guess, the recovery room, I was uncomfortable, but whatever, you know, I mean, I just had major surgery, so of course I was uncomfortable. And then it started. I started having the most severe pain. Felt like I was being stabbed. And then it would go away. And then all of a sudden it would start up again. And then it would go away. And then start up again. And this went on for a little while. And I was crying and screaming in pain. And we called the nurse. And the nurse came in and said, you know... I need to page the doctor on call to get you, you know, a heavier pain medication. Now, before they had brought me back for the C-section, they told me that they no longer do um, opioid pain medication, that now they simply do Tylenol and Motrin after C-sections, which looking back on it is probably the most insane thing I've heard in a long time, because if you've ever had major surgery, especially abdominal surgery, when they cut you open and they're messing around with your internal organs and then they're just going to give you Tylenol alternating every few hours with Motrin or ibuprofen, that seems crazy. That seems absolutely nuts to me. And so that was crazy and I was in so much pain. And then my mother-in-law finally noticed, oh, wait a minute, they have you hooked up to a Pitocin drip. So of course I was in pain because they were making my uterus contract to go back to its normal size. If you've ever had Pitocin, you know how horrible it is. But here I am immediately after a C-section, hooked up to a Pitocin drip with no heavy pain medication. That's kind of, uh, again, I can't even think of the right words, but it was awful. So eventually the doctor came in. I think this went on for like 45 minutes, maybe longer. For all I know, it was 10 minutes, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Doctor came in. They got me a prescription. They gave me an IV narcotic. And finally, finally the pain went away and we were finally... After, I think, another hour, they were finally allowing us to go up to the NICU to see our babies for the first time. And it was amazing and crazy. We got up to the NICU, and here I am in a hospital bed. I can't move. And here are my children. 
for the first time that I'm really seeing them. And it was the most bizarre feeling. I couldn't believe it. I, I was looking at my children after everything that I had been through, after years of infertility, after a relatively miserable pregnancy, they were there. They were real people. And as tiny as they were, my daughter was two pounds, 12 ounces, and my son was three pounds, seven ounces. They were teeny tiny, but they were little people and they were crying and they were looking around and they were just so precious. And those first few moments, that was craziness. It was overwhelming, beautiful, insane, and just magical all at the same time. Now, as magical as those first few moments were seeing my children, the rest of my postpartum journey was anything but. (laughs) So I was in the hospital for, it was either four or five days after my C-section. I had complications from the preeclampsia. My blood pressure was steadily rising after giving birth rather than going down. Um, Usually with preeclampsia, after you give birth, that is the cure for preeclampsia is getting the baby or babies out. And sometimes it is a little bit more difficult. So I was having blood pressure issues. I had to go on a blood pressure medication to keep my blood pressure lower. And that was, that was just one aspect of the stressful part of my postpartum journey. Another aspect was my C-section recovery. It sucked. There's no nice way to word it. It was awful. I was in so much pain. It took me, I want to say it was probably a good six or seven weeks before I could walk normally. I was walking with a walker initially for about a week. And then after that, I couldn't stand up straight. I didn't need the walker, but I couldn't stand up straight. And then my stomach felt like all of my organs were falling out. It was, it was awful. I was, I was in a lot of pain for a while there. The other aspect, and there are really two other issues that made my postpartum journey so hard. The first was having my children in the NICU. Now, if you don't know what the NICU is, that's the neonatal intensive care unit. So if you have a child who has any type of health issues, is born prematurely, anything that requires more intervention than in a typical baby nursery, they're sent to the NICU. Some babies are only in the NICU for a few hours or 24 hours, some are in for a few weeks or months, and some babies are in there a lot longer. In our case, our babies were in the NICU for 25 and 26 days, respectively. And that is so hard. No one prepared us for how hard it was to have our children be separated from us. We, once we were sent home from the hospital, okay, great, I'm home, but where are my babies? They're not home. They're not here with me. And that really, really affected my mental health. I had such a hard time processing the fact that I had just given birth to these two beautiful people, and yet 
they were away from me. They were not going to be home with me. And that sucked. (laughs) I, every day we would try and set a schedule where we'd get up, we'd have breakfast, I'd have to pump regularly. That's the other part that I'll get to in a minute. And then we'd have to go to the hospital and the hospital is about 20 to 25 minutes away from our house. So we'd have to go to the hospital, go up to the NICU, I'd see the beautiful babies and then I'd have to go pump or I'd have to sit there and pump or I'd have to try and nurse or this or that. And it was so stressful, so, so stressful. For anyone who has children in the NICU, it doesn't matter how long or how short they're in there. When they're not with you, it's like torture. And it was like torture for me. I just emotionally, I, I, it was too hard. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to process the fact that I was a new mother whose children weren't with her. That's so complicated. So... After those first few weeks, they finally came home, and boy, it was weird. It was so, so weird. But I'll get to that in just a minute. The other really hard part about my postpartum journey, and this is a very difficult topic for a lot of women to talk about, was that I had a lot of trouble breastfeeding. Now, I know a lot of women have difficulty breastfeeding. I was unaware that there was something called low supply. I had no idea that there was going to be an issue for me with nursing my children. My children had no problem figuring, well, it wasn't like it was simple. It took them some time to figure out how to nurse, but they weren't getting enough from me. And when I would pump, I wouldn't get enough milk for them. And that was emotionally like a slap in the face. We'll call it an emotional slap in the face. I had no idea. I was so unprepared for breastfeeding. I hadn't taken any breastfeeding classes. I hadn't done any research. I thought that when I gave birth, the lactation consultant at the hospital would tell me everything I needed to know, but she did not. I gave birth. A few hours later, the lactation consultant came in. She said that she was leaving for the weekend She wrote my name on the board. She told me how often I should be pumping. She very quickly showed me how to use the hospital grade breast pump. And then she was on her way. And no one was there with me. I was by myself. I was on heavy pain medication. I had just had a C-section and given birth to twins. And she didn't give me any, any no information, no education at all on breastfeeding or pumping. And so I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I had no idea how often I should have been pumping. I had no idea that, you know, your breast milk regulates after a certain time and it depends on how often you're nursing or pumping. I didn't know any of this. And I'll never know if it was my lack of education that affected my ability to make enough milk for my babies, or if it was just some sort of, you know, physical issue that I had no control over. Maybe it had to do with my infertility. 
Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But it set the stage for a very, very difficult postpartum journey. The first few weeks, going to the NICU, having to pump at home and bring the milk and not have enough for them. So they had to have donor breast milk to start with, and then they had to switch over to formula. And it was just, it was so hard and so stressful. And I wish so much that I had taken some sort of breastfeeding course or just given myself some sort of education so that I would have been prepared for what comes next. And I just wasn't. So my breastfeeding, pumping, formula feeding, bottle feeding journey was hard. It was long. I continued to pump for a year and I you know, formula fed, I breastfed, I bottle fed breast milk from pumping. I did everything I could to make sure my children were eating and getting properly nourished. But breastfeeding was important to me. And I would like to note, and I have a whole blog post about this, but I think it's very, very important to note, I am a firm believer that anything is good when you're feeding your children. Breast milk, formula, if you pump, if you don't pump, whatever is the right choice for you is the right choice for you. And no one should ever tell you what is wrong and what is right. Does breast milk have a lot of benefits? Heck yeah, it sure does. But guess what? So does formula. Formula is not poison. People always talk about how formula is poison and it is not. It is wonderful. It is a wonderful option for women who can't or who choose not to breastfeed. And there's no judgment, or shouldn't be, I should say. There's no judgment from me, and there shouldn't be any judgment from anyone else. And this is coming from someone who's always felt that way, but who had complications that were out of her control. And it was important to me that if my children were going to get breast milk, that it was going to be from me. I don't have anything against donor breast milk. I think donor breast milk is wonderful. But again, it wasn't the right choice for me. And I think that it's very important to keep in mind that everyone's journey is just so completely different. And whatever you choose or whatever you need to do is going to be the right choice for you. So now that I've talked all about feeding and what works best for everyone, the last thing I really want to talk about is sleep. <laughs> Lack of sleep in that first year after having your baby or babies is, oh, it's just, it's, see, I have no words for it. <laughs> Every time someone ever tried to prepare me for the lack of sleep, I didn't understand and now I get it. Our children spent the first, uh, I want to say about six months, might have been a little more than that, in our bedroom. We had a bassinet, a twin bassinet that was on the side of the bed next to me, and they slept in there. There was a period of time where we co-slept um, because it was the only way our children would sleep, but they were, oh, I want to say they were about four months old, maybe five months old at that point, but it was hard. They would wake up in the middle of the night, you know, once they were past the point where we had to schedule nighttime feeds, they would still wake up in the middle of the night, couldn't get back to sleep, and it was so difficult. It was so, so hard. So 
right around when they were about seven months old is when we chose to transition them into cribs in their own room. And that was so hard for all of us. And it took a few months to really get them to get the hang of it. But once they did, boy, did they. Now, I'm no sleep expert. I'm not an infant sleep expert. And I would never give advice to anyone about infant sleep. I will give you my opinion. My opinion is do what is best for you and your children. What was best for us changed multiple times. The first year, sleep is, it's still, my children are 15 months old and I still have a hard time sleeping because that first year killed my sleep. I've always been someone who could sleep until 11 or 12 in, in the afternoon. And now I don't because my body has changed. So sleep is very hard. Nighttime feedings are hard. Transitioning your child into their own crib in their own room is extremely difficult. But if it works for you, it works for you. So it worked for us and that is what we chose to do. And part of making that work for me was realizing that I needed some organization. I am not an organized person. I have trouble keeping up with everyday things that I need to do. Um, And so for me, organization was essential, mostly because I'm so disorganized. So I spent months putting together spreadsheets and tables for myself to help me stay organized, help me keep on track on top of all the things I had to keep track of feedings, what, how much were they eating each time? You know, because I formula and breastfed and pumped, I had to keep track of how many ounces of formula or breast milk they were getting, which breasts were they nursing from, who was nursing when, what time did they last eat? I had to keep track of all of these things. On top of that, when it came time for them to start eating solid food, I had to keep track of, okay, what are they going to try? got to try it for three days, make sure that they don't have any allergic reactions. I made schedule for that. I had to keep myself a pumping schedule, especially since I didn't have a regular pumping schedule and I pumped at random times. I had to keep track of that and how much was I pumping each time. I just, I had so many spreadsheets, which if you check out my website, you'll see that I have a planner that I put together for new moms. It's got all kinds of calendars and schedules and tables, a monthly calendar, pages for you to write notes to yourself, pages for you to just get your frustrations out, vent them out, sketch if you want to, write a story or just doodle, whatever, because we need that. We need that venting. We need that place to just let it out because I don't care who you are. Being a mom is hard. I said it in my trailer. I said it on my YouTube channel. I say it all the time. Being a mom is hard. It is hard, period. You gotta vent somewhere, whether for you that's taking a walk or just you know, going into the bathroom and shutting the door and taking a hot bath, if it's writing, if it's drawing, whatever. That is also what my planner is for. So not to go into too much detail there, but that is why I made that planner because I needed organization and I feel like I can't be the only woman in the world who's disorganized and needs some help. 
being organized. So that brings me to the end of this episode of The Hormonal Mama. I hope that you'll join me in my next episode where I'm going to address our current surroundings in this world of a pandemic that we're all living in and how to deal with infertility in a pandemic. I hope you'll join me.